Vinyl Crisis. On LA's west side, a group of avid and devoted vinyl collectors scour the remaining handful of locally owned record shops for the rarest of original vinyl to bring you music you won't hear on any other radio platform. None of it is digital. This is how music was meant to be enjoyed. This is Vinyl Crisis. crisis what the funk Vic what's what, going on today how are you I feel great and what about that jam we just played oh. to introduce our 
very acclaimed guest in a couple minutes. Just the funkiest thing I've heard in a long time. Yeah, actually. absolutely. Let me just give you a little bit of insight. This is off of uh, an Ode Records by the one and only David T. Walker. We heard a uh, second song, Side A, I Wish You Love. And uh, just to put something in perspective on how great his music is, um, the people that David has played with his entire career, which we're going to touch base with the man in a couple minutes, is just impeccable. Well, let's and get let's get into it. Is is uh, is David T. Walker there on the phone? Hello. Yes, I am. Wow. How are you today, sir? Thank you for joining oh, us. Uh, thank you, and all is well with me. Well, all is definitely well in our in our eardrums right now. We've just been listening to the wonderful uh, tune there uh, from the On Love record. Um, uh, we are excited, super excited to, to talk to you personally. I'm I'm a good, massive guitar geek, so we're going to get into a little bit of that. And I know you have a a wonderful instrument hitting the market very soon. Um, but first of all, tell us a little bit about uh, how your musical world is in in 2016. What are you up to these days? Well, um, I'm kind of quiet, uh-huh. uh, the, way, the way I like it, but I've been to uh, one of my favorite countries, uh, Japan, and performed there just last month. Beautiful. Uh, so that was good. Wonderful. And where were you, were you performing at the Budokan or somewhere like that? Well, actually, it was a group um, put together uh, with Marlena Shaw oh. doing vocals, uh, Chuck Rainey on bass. Uh, myself on guitar, Harvey Mason on drums, <laughs> and Larry Nash on keyboards. So what you're saying is the good times are still are still rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Wonderful, wonderful. Some of our favourite musicians. Uh, we've had Chuck on the show. I listen to a lot of Marlena Shaw, and uh, and of course your good self. And we're we're going to get right into it. Um, Vic okay. uh, has got another track lined up. Uh, before we okay. hit you with a couple of questions, we're just going to have a little bit more flavor from Mr. David T. Walker on the, on vinyl. Is that okay? Yes. We'll be right back.
Wow. Appearing uh, courtesy of Z Records there on the uh, one and only uh, Paul Humphrey uh, and the Cool Chemists. Oh, okay. This, right. This was the this was a this was an appearance, sir, by your good self uh, on the track Music Talk there, and we heard. I think I think that that gives a better indication as to why they called it a crybaby, for me. Uh, uh, yeah. Was <laughs> I think because you can make it uh, feel like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do you do you remember that session, sir? How did you uh, how did you enjoy recording with Mr. Humphrey? Uh, yeah, it was good. Of course, he had been a friend of mine and uh, uh, for for many years. So he was trying to put something together. I think it was one of his first solo albums. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, he's been very busy through the years, uh, but he had never recorded out front, as far as I know. Okay. And so that was one of those. And so he called a few people that he liked, and I just happened to be amongst those few. Well, we're glad he called you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. David, I mean, you, you read my mind. My question was going to be, how do you kind of select what you get involved with and what you don't, because you are a very acclaimed musician and composer, so I'm sure a lot of people always want to work with you, but working with Paul or Blue Mitchell or all these cats you work with, is it just a vibe? Is it some sense of connection that you feel with some musicians more than others? How do you kind of decide what you're going to sit in on? Well, I guess, uh, first of all, if they call me, uh, and we... <laughs> we had some communications either musically or through conversation in the past. And uh, usually there's uh, some kind of rapport, uh, a feeling that you get from a, a person, an artist. And uh, so we get together that way for the most part. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, um, so we've got so much of your music in front of us. We're never going to get through it all in one day uh, or in one hour. We, we, you are the sort of guest where we need many hours to... Uh, no, I've, I've been very fortunate. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your, your early career, because uh, Vic and I are always fascinated to get to talk to some of our musical heroes, and, and you're up there amongst the best. Um, but uh, So we're very proud of you just making the time to talk to us today, and we're, we're just really stoked. Um, but sure. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the guitar, and was, was the guitar your first instrument, or did you come at this in a different no, way? No, no, actually. I started with playing the saxophone, uh, uh, but I was in elementary school, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, there was the olden days, it was a C melody sax, as I recall. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't make those anymore, I don't think. Uh, but I played that, and then I graduated to an alto sax by the time I got to uh, middle school, junior high school. And um, stayed with that for a while. Uh, but Towards the end of that, when I was about 16, I discovered that the guitar was really my voice. And uh, so I started playing the guitar. Uh, That's basically how it happened. And I started playing the guitar largely because I was just trying to stay out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of. Do something something positive. And you were, were you back in, um, you were in Oklahoma at this time, or did you move? No, I, my, my folks, my parents left Oklahoma when I was two years old. Oh, okay. So we came to the West Coast, uh, okay. California, San Pedro, California, to be exact. But only for a few years. By the age of seven, we had moved to Central California, which is where my um, love of music 
started, I think, uh, because I would hear these different sounds, these different people singing and playing harmonicas and other instruments and some some radio and jukeboxes. Sweet. And so and, actually, you know, vinyl music, you know, one of the things we love doing is uh, playing all this stuff on vinyl uh, because in a world of digital music and everyone having millions of songs on their iPhones and all that kind of stuff, we're... I, th- I think we feel pretty blessed to be able to pick up a piece of uh, an artifact, a piece of wax, like a vinyl record, and see your name written all over it and f- put the context and the pieces together about who was recording with who at which times and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you mentioned jukeboxes there. Was So vinyl was a big part of your early upbringing? <laughs> yes, it was, of course. And um, we had a few vinyl records, not many, uh, when I was uh, in my youth, but uh, that is how I heard the music. Of course, there was some radio, and I'm sure they were playing vinyl records, too. Of course. Um, um, any any particular clubs in, in Central California when you were starting to play uh, and, and get influenced that you were, that you would frequent, or any musicians that you saw live that blew you away? Well, well I hadn't started playing the guitar at that point, but I did hear some... Uh, uh, some good, uh, you know, spiritual uh, gospel music and some blues from people like uh, Johnny Ace and uh, Muddy Waters. Well, and um, and and uh, 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 some jazz, but I didn't know who they were. Okay. Um, but I didn't start to really get in into it until I was sixteen, which was when we had moved out of this rural situation back into the city of los angeles okay watch watch to be specific wonderful wonderful well watts and you know los angeles is and always right. was a very critical part of the west coast music scene we had everybody from roy ayers and you know bobby hutcherson growing up in that area we've 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 right. heard that uh, i'm just fascinated by you have such a distinctive style on the guitar and, uh, you know, being the nerds that we are, we started to recognize this name, David T. Walker, on a lot of our favorite recordings, dating back quite a bit. And I'm wondering, you mentioned that at 16, you chose the guitar. Did you know, right. did you know at that time, sir, that this was, this was it? Or did it still take you a little while to grow into the, the confidence that comes out with your playing? Because it's just impeccable. No, uh, for some reason, I knew that that was my voice, the guitar. And so I pursued it. I didn't have a guitar, but I um, bought uh, one from here or there just to get started and to familiarize myself with the guitar uh, with a gospel church that I would uh, stand outside and listen to. And they had every instrument in, in this uh, little storefront church where that I would stand outside and listen to it. Eventually I went inside because the preacher found me out there and he knew that I was just there listening to the music. So he loaned me his guitar and that was my first guitar that uh, I can recall touching. Well, that is beautiful. And what was your parents' reaction um, to your obvious well, gift uh, and your love they, of music? <laughs> they were all for the music, you know, both of them. They, uh, they had zero problem with that. Uh, I don't think they wanted me to become a professional mu- musician, but uh, I hadn't decided to do that either at 16. But I, I did fall in love with, with, with the music. You know, I, I found immediately that I had a passion for it, so I used it. 
Excellent, excellent. Now, being a guitar geek, as I have professed, uh, when I look at for images of David T. Walker on the internet, I see, I see that you've played a number of instruments over the years. But the, you know, t- can you? I mean, we we want to talk about the, the wonderful celebrated uh, signature instrument that you're coming out with. Um, but just before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite guitars over the years? And some of our listeners ask us these questions, so we want to know uh, the details. You, you're playing some Gibson yeah. ES thing for most of the years, right? Well, what I, um, the first guitar that I had, uh, I with help from my father, I was able to purchase from Sears. It was Sears and Roebuck at the time. This was 1955 uh, or something. I, uh-huh. And uh, it was a silver tone. Okay. Uh, that was the brand. It was a solid body. In fact, I still have it. Oh, incredible! Thanks to thanks to my father, uh, who took me up one day and and asked me, "Did I remember this some twenty years later?" <laughs> and uh, I did. And it was a, it was a little black and white guitar, solid body. With one of those lipstick pickups. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So that must have been a very early version of an electric guitar because you know the Les Paul hadn't come into big uh, demand at this point. So this was one of the (laughs) first times they put a pickup in a guitar, right? Yeah. Right. And did you in that time period? Had you been playing around on arch tops up until then, and then you suddenly decided you wanted to get no, on board? No, actually, with it? I had the, the guitar that I got from this uh, preacher was uh, it was uh, yeah, it was an arch top, but it had one of those uh, those pickups that you attach to the guitar, okay. you know, and the cable doesn't come out. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> you remember those? Well, I've seen them what? these days. I don't remember them first time round, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I was using, and uh, eventually, you know, uh, when I got to the silver tone, and after that, I, I went into uh, a Fender. It was a jazz jazz master, I think. It oh was. yeah, yeah, that's excellent. And did you get on well with the with the Fender guitar, or was this a little bit lighter for you? Or? Uh, yeah, it was a Fender, and then I uh, finally uh, I I lost. I got a Gibson. I think it was a ES something. Through, 335 maybe yeah or be, before that yeah and then i lost that uh in the 60s so about 65 um i lost that guitar out on the highway it fell out of the, oh, no. the old days when they had these uh what we call station wagons the, the rear window rolled up and evidently we didn't roll it all the way up because it fell out on the highway oh, man. and we never did find it Oh. So uh, when we got to the next city, uh, I w- found the music store, of course, in this small city. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, it was something like Akron, Ohio, or somewhere in that area. Uh-huh. And uh, they had this one guitar that I did like. It was a Birdland Gibson. Oh. I didn't know anything about a Birdland, never heard of it. But uh, it was very easy to play. I didn't know why exactly at the time. Um, so I, along with the help of Motown, uh, the company, I didn't have the money to purchase this guitar, but they advanced me some money so I could purchase this guitar because at the time they did that, I did not have a guitar. 
Okay. And so that I kept and played that Gibson Birdland for 25 years. Wonderful. Yeah, I think that's the one I've seen most of the pictures uh, yeah. on, online with and you playing. on most of those albums that I played on, uh -huh. that's the guitar. Wonderful. Now, could you tell us a little bit about how you came into working with uh, Mr. Michael Peters, the luthier, on this uh, signature model? Yeah, uh, in later years, there was uh, uh, John Carruthers was, had a line of guitars, which I like. I was trying to switch up and uh, go on to something different, uh, different electronics. You know, it has a Piezo and an EMG pickups. Yeah, the active pickups. It, yeah, Right, and it was a little smaller and lighter. Uh, you know, after many years of playing, you know, guitars can get very heavy. Yeah, on the shoulders. <laughs> Completely. So, you want to be yeah, able to, you so want to be able to sit I, uh, down and play these things and enjoy to, it. Yeah. Uh, I asked him to make this guitar for me, you know, and a, a copy of uh, the Birdland, you know, the okay. neck, the fretboard. Mm -hmm. And so he did, and so I played it for ten years or so. Wonderful. And so you, this was in development for some time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I played it uh, when I, when I stopped playing the, the the Birdland. I started playing this guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a couple in between there, actually. Uh, some Japanese makers, you know, made uh, some custom guitars for me, but they didn't quite work out. I hear you. Well, uh, this this thing I, I can see it right now, and it's on your website on David Walker David T Walker com. It looks like right. a beautiful instrument. You know, very light, very. Uh, it looks like you can work yourself up and down that fretboard very easily. You, you're, pleased, <laughs> yeah, you're pleased with the results, yeah. I take it. Yes, an idea. And then I thought, um, if I could copy this one and go to back to the arch top, you know, something with a little sound that I can hear while, while I'm in front of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I found out much later that Mike Peters is the one that actually made this uh, John Carruthers guitar. I didn't know that uh. for 10 years. Huh. And so when I found that he was the one, Mike Peters, um, that actually constructed and was the luthier for this guitar, then I approached him about making one for me. Wonderful. And of course, because you're David T. Walker, he said, I already have one in development. <laughs> well, yeah. So he, he, he did just that. Wonderful. Well, I'm really pleased. Uh, it says on your website that this went on general release in uh, June. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, I'm going to be certainly heading out to Guitar Center and checking one out very soon. And I encourage any other guitarists listening to the show to do the same thing. Um, Mr. Mr. Walker, we're going to just jump straight in with another track. Uh, this was with your uh, one of your collaborations with Blue Mitchell. Um, here okay. it comes. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you. 
Great double bill of tracks. Vic, tell us what we were listening to there. Uh, that's David playing guitar on Hot Mud. That was a main, uh, a mainstream record release. And it's got everybody on this album. It's got David. It's got Arthur Wright also. It's got Chuck Rainey, Charles Kennard, Ray Pounds, Chino Valdez, King Erickson, and a bunch of other funky cats like oh, Paul Not on the Afrique record. Yeah, that's the Afrique album. And before that, we heard a couple minutes off this really another beautiful album that David is on, uh, The Last Tango Equals the Blues, that was led by, I think, Blue Mitchell. Excellent. Uh, Mr. Mr. Walker, what are these bringing back positive memories? These feel like super group <laughs> records as far as we're uh, concerned. Uh, I, I am able to recall them, yes. <laughs> so it brings memories. Um, these, th- this must have been a wonderful group of musicians to play with. Can you tell us a little bit what it was like working with these guys? Well, yeah, we didn't work with this these particular groups very often, but I, I knew these musicians. Uh, uh, certainly Blue Mitchell uh-huh. and the people that worked with him and Afrique was... Uh, interesting uh, because of the combinations or the group that was put together by mainstream records actually mm-hmm. it was their idea so they the, the label actually conceived a good idea yeah yeah they did. that was back in those days <laughs> yeah right that's right yeah but uh, yeah it worked out fine i love it um and the blue, the blue Mitchell collaboration uh, that just has another wonderful stellar lineup of people. Uh, uh, you know, you were reunited there with uh, with Charles Kennard um, yes. and Chuck Rainey, of course. Uh, what a, you know, that must have been an interesting rhythm section to play with. Um, well, particularly Chuck, and you, you just came back from your t- your uh, shows in Japan with him. Uh, right. Is he your go to bass player? You think these days? Well. Uh, maybe not these days, but he's always a go-to bass player, you know. Uh, we've uh, worked together on many projects, and uh, we just have a connection when we're playing together, um, largely behind these vocalists of, of all kinds, you know. We just know where to go, what to do instinctively, and so we do that without talking, without much thought actually you're, you're you're communicating on another level to probably most other working musicians you know you, you, you've seen it <laughs> all right. before and you can just lock in sit on the beat and you know you know when to give each other space uh that's, that's a that's a self-actualization feeling surely you're at the you're at the top of the of the pyramid there what uh sometimes i can't hear you very well i can hear the music very well but when you're speaking something's uh, not quite. That's there. fine. I was, I was just saying you must you must feel very proud that you're at the top of that pyramid of uh, you know realizing that you can do this. You can you can probably oh. play with any musician in any combination of uh, circumstances. Well, yeah, that 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 is true. You know, without uh, as I said, uh, without much thought, uh, consciously that is. Of course, there's some thought going on. There's some instinctive uh, creativity that happens. You know this between somebody like, uh, well, any of those people that you named, uh, Chuck and I, you know, we just know where to go and compliment each other, plus paying attention to what the melody and or, or the vocalist or the lead instrument is doing. It's just instinct. Yeah, and it seems like the great musicians such as yourself, they have just a, a connection on kind of on the inner soul that happens whether they're gigging 
or they're on tour together or they're just getting together to kind of work out some things. And I'm, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, but I'm wondering if you remember how long it took for you guys to put those two albums together. Because as far as we're concerned, they're two <laughs> of the best albums ever. And sometimes, you know, they take less time than we think. And sometimes they take more. Do you remember a little bit about those sessions and how uh, they went down? Yeah, I don't think uh, the albums that you're uh, speaking on, on and playing, they didn't take a lot of time, you know. It was done pretty much, well, it was certainly uh, done without any rehearsals. Um, wow. And uh, all those albums were done in the studio um, with engineers and everybody ready to go. And that's just how it went. It wasn't, uh, it certainly wasn't a chore. You know, it was uh, <laughs> just all flowing. So the composition would happen in real time. That was more of an improvised setup, or were there were there uh, certain characters it, in the in the group that had different uh, preconceived ideas? Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, we just uh, uh, played it down once or twice, and, um, and that was it. And the engineer was, of course, there, the tweaking whatever needed to happen there. And um, that was it. Well, maybe we would talk about a few things sometimes. Not always, actually. Right. Uh, if there was some solo work or some, something that needed to be uh, done together, well, then we would speak on that. But otherwise, uh, uh, it, it didn't take a, a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, it sort of reminds me a lot of uh, conversations of the past with... Um uh, we had a guest on the show, uh, actually very early on in our in our show, uh, Denny Tedesco, whose father was Tommy Tedesco, uh, the guitar yeah, player. I know with, Tommy. Tommy, I knew Tommy. Tommy with the with the with the self professed wrecking crew, and of course, that's almost right. like a symbol of almost a little bit about what you're talking about. Working musicians of the day coming out with all of the ideas, and maybe someone else getting the songwriting credit or the label kind of doing what they were doing with a couple of songwriters. But do you, do you feel uh, like that was a a fair time for credits? Uh, for credit, oh, you could say that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you get the credit you deserved, sir? Uh, well, uh, that's true. That's true. Actually, many times we were the ones uh, writing the songs, you know, uh, certainly the grooves. Yeah. And, uh, and the hooks. But no, there, yeah. wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, credit flowing around so or being shared. So speaking of credits and speaking of some of the Titans that were lucky enough to record with you and vice versa, I think you also worked uh, with the one and only Donald Byrd on yes. the, the Street Lady. I'd love to know a little bit again, sir, kind of personal relationship with Donald and how you guys hooked up. Yeah, I, I, I knew Donald Byrd and I had a lot of respect for him and uh, his producers are the ones that actually put everything together, Fonts and Mizell and uh, sometimes Bird would come in, uh, well, shall I say after the fact. <laughs> right. Uh, but he was there quite often, you know, because he was, it, he was what it was about. And so we uh, just accented uh, knowing his flavors and, and worked at it that way. Okay. Well, we're going to hear a little bit of your fine work with uh, Mr. Bird, and then we're going to come back to your solo work. We'll be right back. Okay. All right. 
Final Crisis, joined by Mr. David T. Walker, the uh, world-renowned guitar player. Sir, we were just listening to your Sidewalk record. Oh, uh, yeah, the very first one. Yeah, this first is just... album, yes. And that was a beautiful, uh, clear, clearly a tribute to Wes Montgomery, is that correct? That is correct. And was he a... It was... Um, I just liked the way he felt about what he played. Well, I like and the so way... I thought I, I thought I would honor that or try to. Well, you certainly did a great job, but I think you did make it your own as well. It sounded Wes-ish in places, but it, it was clearly very <laughs> melodic, and you you know, you know love your single string runs, and I think we were seeing a lot of your own style there as well, sir. So congratulations. Yeah, by, by this time, my style had uh, developed somewhat, you know, and, and also it was interesting that uh, I chose to do just a trio. Uh-huh. You know, no... Well, not much. Well, there was zero sweetening going on there. It was it was just you yourself, Tracy Wright on bass, and Mel Brown on drums. That's right. It was a beautiful record, one one for everyone's collection. Now, before yeah, we, thank you. we, you've been one of our most eloquent and and brilliantly articulate guests, and we we'd love to spend much more time with you. And I personally would like to talk guitars with you for hours. But um, we have to ask a couple of questions about some of these big records you've played on, simply yes. because we'll be uh, harangued in the uh, in the community afterwards if we didn't ask. But you've okay. played you've played with Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about your experience with those two guys. Well, with Stevie, you know, uh, one of the albums I did with him, uh, Inner Visions. Uh huh. You know, I I really enjoyed that. Now we spent a week or two weeks. Uh, just just playing around, you know, and we uh, got it done, though. As you know, he sometimes he would do things like just put the drums down. He would play the drums. And then we would go on from there sometimes. Sometimes we would just eat a lot of food. But anyway, yeah. we <laughs> the music was, was, was wonderful. I still recall those sessions. Innovations Marvin Gaye was, yeah. uh, you know, a person that I have always admired, uh, back in the early 60s, and I was fortunate enough to play on one of the albums that I think the most of is uh, uh, the live album. Okay. Marlon Gay Live. Yep, yep. And, and of course, the other things, you know, uh, I Want You and all those mini albums. Well, you're, you're credited oh. as well on, on the seminal Let's Get It On. I mean, uh, that, that's which, right. Which I think Let's we can hear a little on. bit in the background here. But there were, did you share guitar responsibilities on this with, uh, am I right in thinking Mr. Wawa was involved as well? Uh, yes, he was. And let's see, I think Don Peak. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. And this is this is one of those go to. You know, I mean, I don't know how many children have been conceived to this track. But, uh, do, do you take a lot right. of pr pride in the fact that you've been part of so many people's conception? <laughs> well, I have heard those words before. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely known. Um, well, uh, Vic, you have any more questions for Mister Walker? Well, it's not so much a question, but a comment. Uh, thank you for a lifetime of wonderful music, and here's to another 50 years of your incredible, <laughs> incredible music, uh, you know, gracing our lives, David. It's been an absolute well, well, pleasure to talk to you for a couple minutes on the phone, and, and very humbling uh, to consider um, who you are and what you've done and what you continue to do. So keep banging, and we look forward to all your new music. Well, I thank you very much, and it was uh, a pleasure and a and a real treat for me to speak with you uh, here on uh, on the radio. 
Oh. Uh, it was very nice. I will continue to press on with a smile. Thanks to you. You've been a big help. Well, thank you, sir. The pleasure is simply all ours. And, and in honor of your recent return from uh, Japan, I've, I've dug out a tune here with yourself and um, Clarence McDonald and Marcus Miller. This is uh, We're going to close the show with a, a Jazz for Japan tribute with uh, the wonderful David T. Walker on guitar. Uh, this is What a Wonderful World. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. been listening to Vinyl Crisis featuring rare and eclectic all vinyl musical treasures 